comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. Money, 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 money. Here comes the money. It's SCT Bets here to help you make that dough yet again, your favorite degenerate gamblers. What a show we got on top for you guys here this episode. We got Munpreet from MMA Lock of the Night to break down UFC 259. I'm telling you, our friend over on the East Coast knows the stuff. Break down that fight card and of course, talk a little Canucks hockey. They lose yet again to the Winnipeg Jets. What else is new? 5-2, to two. Brain Holpe with the start. We break down the goaltending situation. Where is Thatcher Demko? Why is he not playing? What is the direction of this team? What is Aquilini doing? What is Jim Benning doing? Where do they go from here? Fan support? Where is it? We got Karinder Dollywall on the show. Pizza guy, of course. Tanby Arana. And of course, myself. Ryan Lee Hall. It's a doozy of a show. Let's just get right into it, shall we? Welcome to another episode of uh, SCT Bets slash Strictly Canucks Talk, because we are going to be talking about the Canucks and how bad they were in February and how they lost tonight to the Winnipeg Jets after, you know, an impressive win the day before. Um... Yeah, we'll, we'll get to the Canucks later, but quickly, you know, we got P- the pizza guy back on the show today. Um, always great to have pizza on. How's it going, Fred? <laughs> it's going good, going good. Nice to be back. Nice to be on here. I know I missed the last few episodes, but Nam and uh, Gurman have been doing a good job with the pod. And we have Gurminder uh, Dollywell, uh, RBC uh, mortgage specialist on with us as well. How's it going, Gurminder? It's going well. How are you guys doing? Tuesday. Uh, you know, Canuck Sal, Sal, you know, you know, normal Tuesday. So, uh, you know, just, Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> we're, yeah, we're going to talk about some, uh, the, the UFC fights coming up this weekend. I got a special guest, uh, coming on, uh, with us, uh, Manpreet. He's a Twitter account is MMA lock of the night. And he's actually, uh, he gambles on it and he's very good at it. His, uh, he's a handicapper. Um, he does a great job, and he's uh, he's Aprana. He's a he's a Desi, as we call it, a Punjabi, a Sikh. He's a brother. He's a brother. He's a brother. He's a brother uh, <laughs> from another mother. Um, and I'm excited to have him on because there's three title fights uh, on Saturday, and that's rare for a UFC event to have three title fights, and one of them is actually. And middle, the middleweight champion, Israel Adesanya, who's one of the best fighters in the world right now, uh, moving up to 205, John Jones' division. John Jones isn't fighting him, unfortunately. It's the uh, light heavyweight champion, uh, Jan Blachowicz. I don't know how to say his name, but that's how I'm going to say it. Jan Blachowicz. Um, and that's going to be an interesting, interesting main, uh, main event. And I'm excited to talk to him about that because I want to know what are the odds of Blackowitz winning because he's a heavy underdog going into the fight against a guy who's fighting in a lower weight class than him. So that's I'm pretty interested to see uh, see what or hear what he has to say about the fights. What are your thoughts on the fights going into the uh, Saturday, Prab? 
Yeah, oh yeah, most definitely. Uh, three title fights, always exciting. Sometimes when you're watching UFC, there's a quick... Um, you know, there's a quick ending or the referee stoppage or something happens and you're like, man, like, you know, I was looking forward to this all week, all week long, right? It's a Saturday night when I watch UFC and disappointing. But three title fights, even if one is a dud, I think it's going to end up being a good, uh, good event, good showing. It'll be a good Saturday night. Um, about the fighters, I feel like I should let uh, MMA lock of the night, MMA LOTN Manpreet, our guest, talk a little bit more about that. And mm-hmm. see where his thoughts are. Just shoot some ideas, shoot some questions at him, and uh, see what he thinks. And um, also about Manpre, he actually runs his own contest too, and he's got a decent following. And I'm curious to uh, curious to as how long he was running his contest for, and how in the early stages of his contest, if he was was getting enough uh, enough of his followers to join his contest, or oh hey, is this a scam? Because Mm-hmm. I entered this contest and uh, it runs for 10 weeks and he'll get into it. We'll ask him a little bit more, but I'm, I'm currently in his $25 contest and I'm um, having a good time, you know, researching, looking at the odds, picking underdogs. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we'll get more, in, more into that more in depth and uh, let him explain the rules and uh, see how it was when he had first started his page in the contest. I'm super curious about that. And we have Manpre joining us right now, <laughs> the man behind the, MMA Lock of the Night Twitter account that we, you know, uh, we follow and we follow his uh, content uh, daily and big UFC fu- uh, event coming up here. Um, thanks for joining us, man. Pre. Yeah, no worries, show. man. Yeah, for sure. I'm uh, happy that you guys brought me on. Happy to see some Daisies in the community <laughs> that I can yeah. finally, uh, you know, uh, chill and talk to and stuff, right? But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, th- there's not a lot of us in this space, and I'm kind of surprised. So uh, once I saw you guys actually reach out to me, I'm like, yo, let- let's do this. I'm not, I'm not a big hockey guy. Uh, yeah. I, you know, back in the day, I used to be a big Matt Sundin fan, but after the Leafs went to shit, I'm just like. All right, I'm he's done. He's a former Canuck as well. He's, he's a Canuck alumni. <laughs> former Canucks legend. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, lo- I love me some Sundin from back in the day and like yeah. our, our battles with the Senators and the Flyers and stuff. But uh, after we went to shit, I went into basketball and then I found MMA and I've just been like hard into MMA since then. How long ago was that? Would you say maybe five, six, ten years ago? Oh, dude. Uh, 2008, 2009, like over wow. 12, 13 years now. My brother is actually a big MMA UFC fan, and I've been watching UFC for a long time myself. And it's harder to, you know, know all the fighters now when you get older and stuff. But yeah. he could still name every UFC event, main event, by asking him, like, what was UFC 161? What I'm was the UFC? Same yeah. I'm the same. I'm <laughs> yeah. the same. <laughs> so it's pretty cool to, you know, uh, talk to someone that, you know, knows their UFC in depth and, um, I'm excited to hear what your thoughts are on the fights coming up because uh, you know it's all about making that money and uh, get that getting that underdog pick. So I'm excited to see what you what your thoughts are. Let's get into it, actually. Yeah. Um, Why don't you introduce yourself first? Yeah, uh, yeah. You probably butchered your, uh, yeah. your handle a little bit, but <laughs> yeah, uh, introduce yourself. Tell us about your page, your IG, and what you're all mm-hmm. about. Yeah. So uh, pretty much, my name is Manpreet. Uh, the brand that I've been pushing for the last maybe four years now is MMA Lock of the Night and. I know the word lock is like taboo within the betting community. So I just like, I love just going right into it, right? Like I don't, I don't really care. I, it's just a word at the end of the day. And what I mean by the lock of the night is pretty much my most confident bet of the night, uh, 
with odds in mind, right? I'm not going to tip somebody a minus 400 favor or something like that. Uh, that that's not my style. I, I want to find something, you know, minus 250 is probably like the highest I'll go, but I try to find a good value and, and good pricing with that. But uh, yeah, I've been around the game for 12 years now in terms of MMA specifically, helping out the UFC with like PR stuff, um, doing a bunch of regional shows out here in uh, Ontario. Uh, I even managed uh, or helped manage an uh, uh, Indian fighter over there from your side of the, the country, Gary Mangit. Uh, shout yeah, out to St. Lion. St. Lion. That's my I dude, man. I played with him a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. I, don't know, I don't know if he remembers me, but just when I'd seen his um, promos or things on Facebook, I'm like, hey, I recognize his face. And I'm like, hey, I actually played poker with this guy at someone's yeah. house. And um, that and that's that's the only way I actually know the guy. I, I think I had shots with him at Tap. Yeah. <laughs> 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 what's what's the main club area over there? Grand Grand Grandview or some shit? Granville, Granville, probably Granville. Granville. Tap yeah, is a Surrey bar uh, a that Surrey we uh, okay. Surrey <laughs> local bar that every brown person in probably if you I'm come from they every have Royal on tap. <laughs> exactly, I have Crown Royal on top, tap and everything. It's a it's a fun place to go in your uh, early twenties, you know. Yeah, no, for sure. So yeah, I was helping him out a bunch, uh, but yeah, I've been all over the MMA scene from like uh, cornering guys and and finding guys fights and stuff like that. And then eventually, like I just wanted to find my own niche where I can just settle into. And uh, this is what I found. I, you know, I, I came into the gambling thing. I used to do it for fun, and then I started taking it seriously over the last four years. And uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. The podcast is blowing up. The 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 exposure is blowing up. Obviously, the Twitter followers and all that stuff's going up. So uh, yeah, I'm running full fledged with it. And by the end of this month, I'm gonna be doing this thing full time. So I'm really much looking forward to that. Ditching the nine to five, uh, mm -hmm. all these sleepless nights, freaking <laughs> studying up on twelve fights a week. Uh, the UFC's shelling out events every single week, so it's a lot of work to keep up with. Uh, but yeah, I love it, man. I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I, I freaking love it. Oh, I hope you get it because, yeah. uh, uh, you know, the hustle, you know, if you're grinding hard and the hustle, if it's worth it at the end of the day, you know, what What else can you ask for? It's exactly. great to see. Great to see. And when you have guys like Ariel Wani and Joe Ferraro following you on Twitter, you know, you're legit, right? Like, Those are my guys. I, Those are my guys. <laughs> Ariel Wani is a beauty. I, I was listening to a show a long time ago. Uh, but haven't been able to get into it as much now, but I, you know, I still listen to Ariel. Ariel's great at what he does, fellow Canadian as well. So it's great to you know see that he follows you and he he knows what, what what's up, right? So I, I I had him on my show way back in college, like over mm. close to ten years now. So he remembered me from then, and we've just kept in touch. And uh, mm -hmm. he replied to my messages within like a couple hours, even right? Like the guy's yeah. super humble, super top notch, a mm -hmm. really good guy. Anything that I want, the guy just he's like here. I got you. Yeah. I'm like, all right, I got to make sure I don't poke too much. Yeah, <laughs> I don't exactly. want to lose this connection. But uh, yeah, he's a, he's a dope dude for sure. Yeah, I have my run-ins with the Vancouver media, so I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but let's talk about uh, let's talk about this fight, the, the fight card here, because there's an interesting prelim fight that everybody's talking about. Dominic Cruz. Let's start from the bottom. We'll go. We'll make our way up. Dominic Cruz. I think he's at even money right now. Uh, going up against, I don't know who's, a, sorry, I don't even know his opponent, but I know Dominic Cruz is on the prelim. What are your thoughts on that uh, that fight going in? Uh, is Dominic a good good play? Yeah, so I literally just finished, finished studying that maybe an hour before coming on with you guys. And yeah, I think he's a decent spot here. The only question marks are is like, he's only been fighting the top-fledged competition, and he's only had seven fights in the last 10 years. The guy's body is just so fragile, right? Like, he doesn't step in there long enough. Like, his third last fight was against Uriah Faber for the third time, and that was at UFC 199. 
We're at UFC 259, and they do one of or one pay per view per month. So that mm-hmm. just gets you puts into perspective how often he's uh, stepping in there. But uh, yeah, a plus money. I like Cruz, man. I don't think uh, Casey Kenny has fought anybody to the level of Cruz or dealt with that type of movement that Cruz brings into the cage. And I think it's going to be hard for him to track him down and get his strikes off and and really, you know make it known to the judges that he deserves the victory that night. So I think we see almost vintage Cruz here. He's still only 35, which is crazy to think, but uh, 35 is not too bad. I start to write fighters off around like 38, 39, but I think Cruz still has it. I think he should be able to go out and beat a guy like Casey Kenny. Will he be champion again? I don't think so. The guys are just too far ahead at this point, but Casey Kenny is just right there. The guy's only lost two times in 19 fights, so he's a good fighter himself too. But in terms of level of competition, man, this guy's just another level. So I like Cruz here, and I think he's a good underdog play as well. Yeah, looking at the line right now, it says Dominic Cruz is a plus 110 underdog, and Casey Kenny is a minus 140 favorite. So, you know, that's not bad for a former champion. I know he hasn't fought as much, like you said, fragile body. But remember, when he came back, he beat uh, TJ Dillashaw. And yeah. that was a that was a good, fun fun fight to watch uh, on, the, on the return. Um and let's let's keep making our way. To, let's go to the main card now because there's an interesting fight here. I, James Lynch, uh, he does. We had him on on our show a long time ago, and I was listening to him uh, a couple, actually not too long ago, a couple weeks ago. Uh, we had him on, and he was talking to Chael Sonnen. He had an interview with Chael Sonnen today, and he was talking about uh, uh, the fight between Tiago Santos and Alexander Rakic. I don't know if I'm saying his name right. But uh, he likes Tiago Santos, and everybody else said that Alexander Racket is the is the is the way to go. Tiago Santos is actually a plus one thirty underdog. What are your, and Tiago Tiago Santos gave John Jones a run for his money not too long ago. What are your thoughts on that fight? Alexander Rakic is the truth. He is the truth. So a lot of people want to put stock into that John Jones and Tiago Santos fight, but I think that's like the downfall. Like his la- John Jones' last four opponents are now two and six since they fought John Jones. Like they seem to fall off this cliff for some mm-hmm. reason since uh, fighting John Jones, right? Uh, Alexander Rakic fought another guy that John Jones recently fought in Anthony Smith, and he clearly beat him over three rounds very easily. Tiago Santos, on the other hand, this guy's 37 years old, uh, you know, tore, I believe, both his ACLs in the John Jones fight, takes a year off, comes back against uh, 40-year-old Glover Teixeira, who's like old man, but still like moves forward, his jiu-jitsu is still top-notch, and he was able to take all the shots of Santos, continue to take him down, and then eventually submit him in the third round, whereas Rakic, that's kind of his game, right? The guy's a very good wrestler. He's very strong. He's very powerful. He's going to have a two-inch height and reach advantage over Santos. And again, almost an eight-year youth advantage as well, too. But this Rakic guy is the truth, man. His striking is good. His calf kicks are amazing. But his wrestling is truly what's going to set him apart in this fight with Tiago Santos. So yeah, I think Honestly, I wouldn't even be surprised if the odds get even wider the closer we get to the fight. I just find it hard that Santos will be able to stop the takedowns, and that's where Rakic is truly going to thrive. So going into this, a lot of people are thinking this is going to be a barn burner because these guys have a lot of knockouts and stuff on their record. But don't be surprised if we see this one get dragged out with Rakic just smothering this guy, taking him down, trying to nullify the, the power and big strikes coming back from Santos. So yeah, I like, I like the Rakic side here. Personally, I haven't made a bet yet because I feel like there might be a little bit more Santos money coming in, so I'm going to just wait my, mm-hmm. wait for my opportunity. But yeah, Rakic is the truth, man. Just because Santos fought Jones and he gave him a run for his money, per se. Mm-hmm. I think that's more so an, a testament to where John Jones is at compared to where Santos and all these other guys who have been having close fights with him, right? So yeah, I like uh, Rakic, and deservedly so. He's the favorite here. 
And Manpri, I noticed some of your screenshots, you post your bets. You don't just post the, the bets, you actually wager on them and post your wagers as well, which is uh, super legit. And, you know, you put your money where your mouth is. But mm-hmm. um, any reason uh, that you use cool bets as your book, um, just uh, they got good odds or you're affiliated with them for somehow or some reason? Yeah. Just because I recognize the screenshots. I'm like, hey, I, I had an account there. And um, yeah, any reason behind that? Or is it just uh, one of the books you happen to use? Yeah, uh, somebody told me about them, I want to say like mid last year, and I've been using them every now and then. And then one of my buddies actually reached out to me, he goes, why don't you get an affiliate agreement with them? Because they're somewhat based out of Toronto as well. So I reached out to them and they're like, dude, we're, we're super in, right? Like there's there's barely much of an MMA market on our site right now. And if we can get somebody to kind of push it for us, you know, we can work something out. So I, I have an affiliate agreement with them. They're very good. You know I mean, their odds are amazing. Their props are sick too. So yeah. Oh, that's dope, and it doesn't go unnoticed, right? I'm asking you about it right now. So, no, it definitely, you know, you get, you get views, and people notice that stuff. And uh, I'm definitely, you know, people have seen that and signed up on their site. And, uh, no, that's good. Good on you. Good on them. That's uh, they're, they're smart, though. Like, if you guys notice on their bet slips, they put their logo right beside it, right? Most mm-hmm. of the websites, they just have, like, the, the bet slip. They don't put their actual uh, odds on it or, or their, their logo on it. So, yeah, cool bets are a little bit ahead of the curve when we're talking about newer uh, bookies and websites. Oh yeah, and if you know, you know, if you hit a bet, you're gonna screenshot it and send it to your buddies, right? We We all do. We all do that. Um, The next fight is uh, Islam Makachev versus Drew Dober. Uh, Drew Dober is a plus two seventy underdog, and Makachev is a minus three sixty favorite. What are your thoughts on that one? Makachev is the new Khabib, and I say wow. that because Khabib's in his corner all the time. They train together. They're they're super close. Uh, his initial head coach was Khabib's father before he passed away last year. But mm-hmm. yeah, he's pretty much, if you look back at all of Islam's fight, Khabib is either in his corner or front row at his fights. Like, they are brothers. And uh, Khabib keeps, uh, you know, talking about him. He goes, yo, this is the dude. Like, this is the guy that you should look out for. Daniel Cormier is another guy that trains with these guys whenever they're over on the state side. And uh, he keeps saying, yo, like, he might even have better wrestling than Khabib at the end of the day. Now, he doesn't have a flawless record like Khabib because he has one loss, which I believe was his second or third fight in the UFC where he got knocked out within a minute and a half. But since then, he's just been crisp, man. He looks amazing. His his wrestling is good. His striking is ever-improving. And, uh, yeah, he, he's definitely worth that minus three, 330 or whatever he's at. He should even be, like, minus 500, minus 600. Like, Drew Dober, on the other hand, he's been around the UFC for a while now, but he's having a bit of a career resurgence, especially his last couple of fights where he's been knocking dudes out, especially as a big underdog in a couple of those fights as well, too. But this is just another level, man. Once he mm-hmm. feels this wrestling of Makachev, he's just going to be like, fuck, what did I get myself into? So, uh, yeah, no, Makachev is going to cruise here. I'd be very surprised if we see him lose. Uh, but, yeah, Khabib 2.0. I'm telling you guys right now, yeah. watch out for this. Game. Anytime you're getting compared to Khabib, you're legit. You know, like, Khabib's a monster. and nobody, sure. could, nobody could even, you know, play with, you know, go in the octane with him. He was just, un- he dominates everyone. I don't think he lost a round. I think maybe he lost one round to Conor McGregor and his, yep. maybe, maybe we could say that, but I, I don't know. That that guy's a monster. And, and he's, mm-hmm. and Dana's trying to force him to come back, but he's a religious dude. <laughs> religious dude, he might, he doesn't even care about the money. He's just like, I want to be the baddest guy. I think the only fight he might come back for is GSP. Do you agree? 
I I think so, but I like I don't really even care to see that fight. You know what I mean? Like like GSP's in his forties. Let the man yeah. just retire and chill out. And yeah. you know, I don't know if you guys have been seeing him lately, but he just dyed his hair white or some shit and like he's well, doing he all this crazy <laughs> stuff. Yeah, exactly. He has hair now too, which is weird. Yeah. But uh yeah, just just let it go by. You know what I mean? Let GSP ride off into the sunset. That could be right off into the sunset. That, that's really about it. Um, and then we'll go to the next fight because this is the one that I'm very interested in because you know one of the heavy favorite like Amanda Nunes uh, and a dominant champion, uh, you know of her caliber. You know you you think about maybe risking a little bit of money on the underdog. I think she's uh, Megan Anderson or is it is it Megan Anderson? Wait, I'm just making sure because Megan Anderson, yeah, yeah, Megan Anderson. She is like a plus seven fifty underdog, if I'm not mistaken. I'm trying to find it right, right here. I got it. Yeah, plus 700 underdog, and Amanda Nunes in minus 1,200 favorite. Do you think, because Megan Anderson, I've seen her. She has that long reach. She's tall. Does she have a chance? I don't think she has a chance, man. Like the, so, so there's this feeder league called Invicta FC, which is just all women's fights. And mm-hmm. she's been, you know, she's had a couple fights over there and they never really had the legitimate, a legitimate enough competition to really like groom her there. So they forced her into the UFC to have the, at the 145 pound division, which is where Nunes is the champion and where Cyborg was the champion as well. So I'm sure you guys remember her, but mm-hmm. Megan Anderson was like that girl that they're trying to push because she, she kind of looks pretty. She's a big girl. She knocks chicks out too, but her her technique is just not there, man. She's just a big girl. Like if she cracks you on the chin and you don't really know how to react, more than likely you're going down. So the only way, like I would suggest, if you guys even want to make a little bit of a punt here on Anderson, is taking her by KO. That's the only mm-hmm. way she wins this fight. So you want to turn your plus seven hundred into a plus fourteen fifty, I think it is, which is an implied odds of six percent. So they're giving you a six percent chance to knock out uh, Amanda Nunes, and I I think even that's like generous. I I, I just see. Nunes going in there, taking her down, and submitting her, whether it's in the first or the second round. I think it's going to be quick. Like One thing, last thing I'll say about her, they tried getting her the title shot right off the bat when she came to the UFC, but she lost her debut, and she goes out there and beats this girl uh, just by, like, she head kicks this girl, and her toenail scratches the girl's eye, and that's how they stop the fight. So she wins that fight by KO. Next fight, fights another girl, gets taken down right away, submitted. Like she's not, she's just not that good. She she's really not that good, which is why Nunes is such a heavy favorite here. So yeah, I like Nunes. The the spots I would chase if you actually want to make money in this fight is Nunes round one, which is like plus one fifty ish, I think, or Nunes round two, which is about plus three hundred. But Nunes submission, I think, is the way that it's going to go. But uh, yeah, Nunes dominates this fight. I'd be, it would be worse than GSP versus Sarah if freaking uh, if uh, what's her face if uh, Anderson pulls off the victory here. The the thing with the UFC, man, it's so unpredictable at times. You see plus 500 guys just come in and win. Like, I remember uh, when Ronda fought Holly Holm, and yep. it was like, why not throw money on Holly Holm? Like, there's nothing to lose. Like, great value. And I obviously didn't do it because I'm an idiot, and everybody was just <laughs> hyping up Ronda Rousey like crazy yeah. and, and everything. And, and guess what? Holly Holm pulled it off. So it's just... Like I, I just think about it. I'm like, what if Amanda Nunes isn't mentally there? She's already won what two belts uh, as a woman champion and stuff like that. Maybe she's just maybe wants to take the night off. You know what I mean? You never know, right? So 
obviously betting against her is not smart, but maybe throwing a little bit of money on her on Maggie Anderson might not be just a single just play. Just take the KO. Just take the take KO. Take the KO, yeah. That's the best value you're going to get on that spot because she's not submitting her, and she's mm-hmm. not going to go f- 25 minutes with this chick. There's there's just no way. So uh, I'm personally predicting either first or second round submission. That's the angle that I'm going to be chasing here. Uh, and even if you want like secure 100% money, I think, is the under two and a half which is about minus 200. It's a little bit chalky, but mm-hmm. I think if either woman wins here, it's going to be under 12 and a half minutes. Um, but I, that's like an alternate line. I think most lines on most books right now are over under one and a half. So if you have two and a half, I take the under two and a half. And then I, I think I forgot this fight because this one is actually before the, the woman's fight. Peter Yan versus Algernon Sterling. This is the more, this is one of the closest fights yeah. uh, on the card. Like this is like a hard one to call. Peter Yan coming up a win against Al- Jose Aldo. I don't know much about Algerman uh, Sterling, but you know, looking at how I watched the countdown earlier, looks like a pretty pretty talented fighter. What are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I think he's a he's a minus one ten underdog against uh, Jan, who's a minus who's a champion, a minus one twenty favorite. Yeah, the, uh, I think Jan was like minus one forty ish earlier, and now like money is coming in on Sterling because people are starting to do the tape, they're starting to do their research, and they see that he is a bit of a threat. Now, you're not going to catch me spending money against Piotr Jan here. That guy is an absolute freaking beast. This guy's from like Serbia or something, just like grow up in the cold. And you know, those guys have that like Russian durability that most people don't really have. But uh, he's an absolutely crazy Muay Thai striker. Uh, really good. Obviously, only has one fight or one loss on his record that he avenged uh, two fights later. Um, but Aljamain Sterling, this guy is very crafty. He's weird, right? He's he's very rangy, uses his kicks a lot to stay on the outside. And I think that could cause Jan some trouble here, which is with him continuously moving staying away from the big power of Jan and just outpointing this guy. But his bread and butter is his jujitsu, right? He can take this guy down and probably lock up a submission, but I don't think that'll be as easy as most people think it is. So, uh, yeah, I, I lean Sterling here, man, but it's so tough to bet against a guy like Piotr Jan. That guy's absolute G, like legit OG, goes mm-hmm. out there and just wrecks people in that Muay Thai realm. He's not a one-punch knockout kind of guy, but he can just accumulatively just fuck you up on the feet. And uh, with um, with Sterling, you know, he's only been knocked out once in his career, um, and I think that's more of an anomaly than anything. Like, people like to put a put a title on certain guys after they get knocked out, and they call them chinny. They call them durable or uh, not durable but i think that aljamain sterling he's taken some big shots after that knockout and he still keeps moving forward so i like the versatile nature of sterling's game compared to just the muay thai striking that we'll probably see from jan here but it's such a tight fight and obviously the odds indicate that right so the spot that i would take is probably sterling via decision i think it's around plus 400 that's what i think his most likely path to victory is here uh but yeah i like sterling just not sure if I'm going to risk my money on it. Yeah, it's a really close fight. It's a so tough good. one to call for sure. And the main this card is stacked, by the way, people. Mm-hmm. Like I know, uh, I think I mentioned it earlier on the show, but there's three title fights on it, and the main event is a middleweight in Israel, Adesanya, moving up to John Jones' event. I know John Jones isn't fighting him, but <laughs> moving up to the 205 weight class to fight Jan Blachowicz. I think I'm saying, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but Jan Blachowicz, who just knocked out uh, Reyes. Uh, the the fighter that I actually thought beat John Jones, just like we were talking about Tiago Santos earlier, right? So, okay. um, it's gonna be an interesting fight. I heard Jan is like thirty eight years old. That's where the concern is for me. James Lynch, uh, I talked about him earlier. He thinks this is a pick 'em, more of a pick 'em kind of fight. But man, Israel Adesanya is a monster, and I want to see him fight John Jones one day. So, what are your thoughts on this main event? 
it, it's crazy, right? Like Jones was waiting for this guy to come to to his weight class, and then Jones decides, okay, I'm going to go to heavyweight, and that's when Israel decides, like, you know what, I'm going to go to your weight class now. Yeah. It, it's this weird cat and mouse game that I hate uh, seeing between like two very skilled guys. But yeah, in terms of this matchup particularly, so th- we do this thing. We've done it with Connor before. We've done it with other guys where we build up this mystique of a certain fighter and think that they're untouchable, that they can't be beat or anything like that. And that's what's happening right now with Adesanya now. The guy's 19 and 0, right? So he hasn't mm-hmm. been beat in pro MMA, but he's been knocked the fuck out in kickboxing. And yeah. that's one thing that a lot of people like to look back at, especially when he's fighting power punches like he did against Paulo Costa last time around. And even what Jan Blahovic this time around, it's it's another guy that has some heavy power, but not just power. He's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. We haven't seen too much of Adesanya off of his back. And you're talking about a guy who's going to have maybe 20, maybe 30 pounds on Adesanya. Like, he's going to be a big dude in there. So if he gets his hands on Adesanya and possibly drags him down and, and makes it a gritty, dirty fight, I think it's going to be tough for Adesanya to, to to deal with that. But everything that we've seen thus far from Adesanya when it comes to the grappling game, he does all the things that are right, right? When he gets taken down, he's right back to his feet, gets his distance again, and then gets his striking off. But this, this one's going to be tough, man, because... You've seen him cracked before by a much smaller guy in Calvin Gaslam. I'm not sure if you guys have seen that fight. Yeah, but like, that was a great fight. That was an amazing fight, right? Yeah, Back great. and forth fight. Yeah. 2-2 going into that fifth round. Uh, seeing Gaslam crack him the way that he did and seeing how Blakovich or Blahovich has been going out there and wrecking these dudes in his last couple of fights, it, it gives me pause, man. So I, I, I'm not the most... I'm not down to go out there and, and lay minus 200 on Adesanya, no matter how much of a wizard this guy seems. Um, yeah, he's a crazy talent, undefeated. Uh, great training camp behind him as well, too. But man, something just doesn't sit right with me with this fight. I, 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 personally, I'm picking Adesanya to win. I think he eventually knocks him out in the fifth round. But it's such a fucking tough fight because first time we see Adesanya up at this weight class against guys like this, like it, it's a different thing, man. And, and what Blahovich. He's already welcomed three guys from the middleweight division to the light heavyweight division and beat all of them. <laughs> so, like, he's he's shown that he doesn't mind fighting these guys that are coming up in weight. But Adesanya is another level, right? So, um, yeah, Izzy is rightfully the favorite. I'm picking him to win, but this fight's going to be much closer than the odds indicate, man. The one thing I love about the UFC is it's such an international sport. You got a guy from Poland that, you know, it's getting hyped up in Poland. And he's one of the best fighters in the world right now. Going up a guy, going up against a guy from New Zealand, who you know, I, for some reason people aren't talking about as much as I thought they would. Like when Connor was, you know, Connor's a different level, obviously, but yeah. you know, like he's a he's a very good fighter. Israel is, and the reason I say that is from this last fight against Paul Acosta. Mm-hmm. Like, man, I thought that fight was going to be closer than like than it was, and Israel just made, makes it look easy at times. Like, I think the most the least impressive fight that he had was against Anderson Silva, but it almost felt like he was holding back because that's his idol. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like he, he, that dude. Yeah, no, exactly. I think that, uh, this is an interesting, uh, main event and I can't wait. And the age, it sort of throws me off. He's 38 yeah. years old. You know what I mean? Like that's what throws me off with black Blahowitz. But, uh, you know, it'll be interesting for sure. The the thing about the, the age, they can get away with it at these higher weight classes, like light heavyweight and heavyweight. You can get away mm-hmm. with being 38, 40 or whatever. Like Stipe Miocic, mm-hmm. heavyweight champ right now. He's like 42 or something uh-huh. like that. And they can get away with it because they have the power and they have too. the durability. Cormier as well yeah. too, right? That's another yeah. guy that was like 42, 43 years old. So I understand it from, from that aspect. And one thing I want to touch on about that Costa fight 
he implemented the, the most effective technique in MMA right now, which is the calf kick. Mm -hmm. And you see it if you guys watch this past event, there's like two or three fights where the guy right off the bat, calf kick, calf kick, calf kick. And you see the guy's not able to walk anymore or not able to really get their game off and their movement is really compromised. That's what happened to Costa, man. Uh, Izzy did a really good thing in terms of chopping at that that lead leg, that calf, uh, immobilizing pretty much uh, Paulo Costa, taking the power off this guy's shot so that he can get his hands going. And that's what we saw. We got his we got his hands going in that second round and knocked this guy out. Just beautiful, masterful performance, man. Do you think that's yeah. gonna be a trend going forward with fighters just being more cognizant of um, if they're not already about calf kicks, um, defend them, use them, just. Hard to defend, though. Take them. Very hard to defend. Yeah, like yeah. like so to 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 nullify a, just a leg kick. They, they call it a check, which is basically you lift your leg up so that your your muscles aren't tense. And, and they then, still uh, hurt. They, they still hurt. Yeah, <laughs> but then about. we have we see things like happen, like the, the Anderson Silva thing, right, where he yeah. breaks his leg. That was mm. from getting a, a kick checked. But the calf kick, man, it's it's so hard to defend against. Uh, like the best Muay Thai strikers in the world have very tough times. So like, it's either you establish it yourself right off the bat, or you try to like jump over the guy's leg or whatever the hell it is to to get away from it. It's just it's very debilitating and. Uh, yeah, I think it is. It will be a trend that we continue to see. Like over the last two years, it's really been taken to the next level. But more fighters fight after fight, event after event. You see more guys really taking advantage of it now, and I think it's going to change the game. I think it already has changed mm. the game. But uh, yeah, you're going to see more of it. Poirier did it to Conor McGregor, and exactly. that's what really cost him the fight. And yep. and and Joe Rogan was talking about it with Max Holloway. Like he did it against uh, Calvin K Catter. Or did, yep. I don't know if he, he Calvin did Cater, it. Yeah, Cal Calvin Cater. So it's like a jab for a leg. You know what I mean? Yep. Like it's easier to throw because you can be quick with it. But man, it's it's painful and effective. And that's it's like a, a did did John Jones start with that? Did he was he the first he, one to start using that? So what he did was like a, a it was more so like push kicking the yeah. knee. Mm -hmm. was push kicking the knee that yeah. was he was really targeting the knee of his opponents whereas mm -hmm. there's a guy actually ben henderson from way back in the day maybe close to 10 years ago he was the ufc lightweight champion yeah i remember but he that. was the first guy that was going out there and like kicking these guys in calves and everybody's like mm -hmm. what the fuck is this guy doing and then yeah. now you see people being more effective with them picking up on it so uh yeah it, it's it's very very effective for sure you bring up ben henderson i remember watching those frankie edgar fights being yeah, all dude. mad because i'm like frankie won that fight Frankie, <laughs> that was my guy. <laughs> that was like one of my favorite, first favorite like fighters. Yeah. Him, Vanelli Silva, Shogun Hua, like yeah. those were my guys. But Ben Henderson, I, I got to meet the guy and shit too. I, yeah. I fanboyed out. But yeah. Uh, yeah, dude, shout out to Ben Henderson, wherever the fuck he is now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, man. Thank you again, man, for, for coming on. Um, it was great to have you on. Uh, we love. I love watching USC on the weekends, and I can't wait to watch it on Saturday. Uh, with with a couple of the boys, you know, gotta keep it. Gotta keep <laughs> it keep her, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah. Um, thanks for coming on and plug in everything that you are. You know, I know you talked about it earlier in the show, but let's plug it in again for the listeners and you know talk about uh, your Twitter account and your podcast and everything. Yeah, so uh, MMA, LOTN, pretty much on all platforms. That's Twitter, that's Instagram, that's uh, YouTube. I drop my podcast. I aim to drop my podcast every Monday of Fight Week. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, sometimes you get a little bit behind schedule like I am this week. So I'm, I'm hammering out the, the content. But uh, normally you can find my podcast there. And it drops on all audio platforms, right? Uh, you got your iTunes, you got your SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, all that type of stuff. It's all on there. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I also do like... Um, 
uh, streams on Thursday evenings and Friday evenings on Odds HQ, which is a, a YouTube channel now. Uh, we get great responses there. We get almost 500 people every stream watching live, and then it racks up into like the six, seven thousands of views. Uh, but yeah, that's that's where you guys can find me, man. But uh, mm -hmm. MMA LOTN everywhere. Uh, that's how you find your boy. <laughs> awesome. Thank you again, man, Preet, and uh, we'll we'll have you we on again. Appreciate it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No worries, guys. I appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys reaching out, and I'm more than happy to come on whenever. Just give me a little bit of notice, and, I, yeah, and I'm there, exactly, buddy. Yeah, yeah, for sure, we will. <laughs> All right, take care, guys. Yeah, you too. But that was Manpreet from MMA Lock of the Night on Twitter, and man, he had some great info there for the UFC fights that I'll be, you know, using uh, for my bets on Saturday. Uh, I'm looking forward tell. to the fights, man. You can just tell he he knows what he's talking about. Oh, yeah. You were you were kind of butchering those fighters' names, and yeah. he, he knew exactly who you were talking about. Right? Exactly, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. The UFC is such an inter international sport. You have guys all over the world fighting, right? So it's a uh, it's I love it. I think it's one of the best sports out there, especially to bet on. You get guys like plus five hundred underdogs that find a way to win, lucky punch or whatever you want to call it. But it's fun to watch. Um, I know Graminder didn't join us for the interview, but he was he was listening the whole time. And what are your thoughts on, uh, you know, uh, some of the the fights that uh, Manpreet likes? I think it's amazing that we have um, someone from our community, yeah, so passionate about UFC, right? Mm -hmm. Someone who can represent us, and he was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. he had. Uh, he could answer any question. He can talk mm -hmm. about any fight, which means just how involved he is and how much he believes in the, and loves the sport. He's got a passion yeah. for um, it. Right? I didn't have it. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you know, for our for our community, for for it's a very important to have someone like that that involved, that mm -hmm. is as knowledgeable as like that. Because I was like, wow, I, I was yeah. blown away. The one thing I wanted to ask was when it's such a heavy, heavy favorite versus a heavy heavy underdog those what's the best play what's the best bet the over rounds the under rounds i didn't have a chance to ask i was just listening mm -hmm. to what he was saying right mm -hmm. um because at the end of the day you can't lot you can't lay you know like chamber yours and you can't lay a hundred bucks on a plus on a minus 500 right yeah exactly. it takes one punch to knock you out right mm -hmm. you also can't lay a hundred bucks on a plus 500 because there's a reason why they're the underdog. So you have to look at every other advantage when you're betting. Okay, let's look at the rounds. Let's look at the way that the fight ends. Let's, uh, you know, the over-unders and things like that. And mm -hmm. that's one thing I, I, I didn't have a chance to ask. I mm -hmm. wanted to, but I was, he was very impressive and I didn't, and I just didn't want to interrupt him. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, mm -hmm. it's over. He's gone. And, yeah. And, it's all good. No, it's uh, everything. Everything he said was, uh, was great. And uh, I'm proud of a guy like that to have on the podcast it's so. awesome man like uh you could tell he's super passionate and he he works hard on what he does too so you know we'll get him on again you know we had james on before and we'll get james on as well like i think mma guys are one of the the best media personalities because they're they deal with mma fighters and mma fighters are the best interviews for sports i think they're like like if you i don't know if you've seen rapid jackson's uh media interviews in the past they're pretty fun and I don't know. Just they're I just animated. love you know they're anime. They don't have those uh, cliches, stock stock answers that NHL yeah. players or NBA players have, right? You know. Speaking of the NHL, you know, let's talk about what Travis Green did tonight by not starting the hottest goaltender, uh, uh, probably in the NHL, in my opinion, one of the hottest goaltenders in the NHL. I think Thatcher Demko was playing well. Um, he just came came off a shutout. 
Chris and he goes out of his way to start Braden Holpe, who has a 8.52 save percentage uh, now after giving up two softies and, and one debatable one. <laughs> like, what's Travis thinking here? And I've been a defender of Travis Green my whole time as a Canucks fan while he's been here. And I'm starting to turn on the guy, man. I'm starting to turn on the guy. What are you guys' thoughts? Definitely a strange decision. Um, I'd heard on the radio, they're saying maybe they're trying to save, not save Demko, but just have him rested for the Toronto series that's coming up. I believe they got two games. But, you know, if you got a hot goalie and you need the points, just get the points, you know. Start your your best roster that's going to help you get the W. And uh, I don't know if starting Braden Hopi was... Uh, is in line with that. Is that really starting your best roster? You know what I mean? To get the win? Um, I would have started Demko. I'm sure if someone point blank asks uh, Green that question, he's going to have a justifiable kind of answer. You know, oh, okay, he's got a point. But I don't know. If you're asking me, I'm starting Demko. How about you, Germinder? I didn't have a problem before the game when Holby started. Uh, he's a very capable goaltender. Like I said, Stanley Cup champion, Vezina Trophy winner. I get the back-to-backs, but this is such a unique season now where you can't worry about wearing out your number one. Demko's clearly our number one, mm-hmm. right? And he's playing like a number one, so I totally agree uh, with the last comment. Um, backs against the wall. Every point every shot every goal every penalty kill every power play goal counts now at this point because they've dug them such a such a hole and i've been a believer in the whole beef from day one but he's not playing at the level that demko is so if you got a shutout don't throw him right back in i agree don't worry about the next series uh, i think we're talking about the toronto series right you got to go game at a time now period at a time start demko but if they're trying to do the in an 82 game season, yeah, starter plays yeah. one end of the back to back, and the other one, I get it, but this is not a regular NHL season. This is now a 30 game sprint. They only have, what do they have 30 games even left? Right? <laughs> yeah, I think they have 30 games left. Exactly. They're getting close to the halfway point. To, yeah, yeah. Used to Grand Fuhrer played 76 games in the mid 30s. I'm really aging myself here. But <laughs> if you want to get to the playoff, you ride your guy. You ride your hot hand. There's no, there's none of this back-to-back stuff. Uh, there's no reason for excuses. There's no room for error anymore because they didn't leave themselves any room for error. Yeah. If yeah. there are at least 500, I get it. Demko, Hopi, Demko, Hopi, and then Demko, Demko, or Hopi, and Demko, Demko, Hopi. But you can't, you can't do that. All right, so... Today's show, like that goal, that three-one goal by Kyle Connor, I can't. That was soft. How that went in? Yeah, um, that was, it was soft. It was uh, it was backbreaking. That was it. The game's over. And Even the second goal. Yeah, yeah, and you, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and as a fan, when you sit there, it's six o'clock at night, and you're just want to watch the game, and you're being a fan, and you know the season's over, and you see that, and you're like, okay, well, what am I going to do now? I guess the game's. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, even, I agree. Even Demko when JT started. Miller had right. scored. Oh, sorry, I cut you off. Sorry there. No, that's okay. That's okay. 
okay. Yeah, even yeah, when JT no, Miller scored uh, at the end of the second, I still wasn't confident. Okay, this is a comeback's gonna happen. I still was yeah. like, okay, you know, like I, I I'm not I'm not buying this. <laughs> Yeah, I get the Jets. Uh, so now, what the Jets' backup response is what two and zero against us. So they have <laughs> wiggle room. They have room for error, right? They mm-hmm. can give Hellebuck a break because they know they're in the run. They're in the race. We don't. Mm-hmm. We got to go guts blazing all the way right through. We couldn't mm-hmm. even get a point. We needed to get a point today. Yeah, right. We did, and hopefully, uh, get us a save. Mm-hmm. He can't give us a save. And Ryan, what are your thoughts? Because, yeah. like. Like, as a fan, man, like, it, this has been one of the hardest seasons to watch as a fan because there was actually expectations for me going in, like, for the first time in a long time. And uh, to see a team play the way they've played this year, like, what are your thoughts, Ryan? Like, I know you're a hardcore fan. I mean, yeah, like, that's the thing. This was probably the first season in, I don't know, like, almost a decade in terms of that. You actually had an expectation for this team to, you know, make the playoffs and even take that next step. I mean, I know there's people on Twitter that will always say, like, oh, look, they were one win away from, like, a conference final. Okay, cool, but there's a lot of things. Like, they got lucky in terms of, like, COVID gave them a break because this team was falling before that Mm -hmm. whole break happened. They probably wouldn't have even made the playoffs, and they got in, they did their thing and whatnot. My thing is with the whole goaltending thing is that Travis Green, it's like, what are you doing? You've got Thatcher Demko, who is... You know, he's one of the hottest goalies in the league. He had that crazy playoffs. He's showing you that he can be a number one. I get it. You don't want to burn out your goaltender, but it's a shortened season anyway. And Brayden Holpe really hasn't shown that he can, you know, give you a save when you need a save. And I get it. Holpe's a Stanley Cup champion. He's been proven, blah, blah, blah. But the last few seasons, Holpe's not up to it. And you have no room for error. Like you guys were saying, you have no room for error. The Jets have a little bit of room now. You need to win, essentially, you know, you need to win out. I'm not saying you need to win out, but you're going to need to go on a bit of a run here. And who's going to give you a run, Demko or Hopi? Exactly. It's going to be Demko. Mm-hmm. So it's a question mark in terms of what are you doing with your goaltending. The team in general, like, I know Prab was saying about, you know, the whole comeback and whatnot. This team's not going to come back when they go down, right? Like, you don't even feel They're confident in them. They're 0-13 when down. Yeah, you, you don't feel confident. And that's the thing, as a fan, it's like, when you don't feel confident, what do you have? Yeah, and consumer confidence. Me and Germinder. Germinder, especially. Uh, season yeah. ticket holder since 2002. Yeah. Um, I'm, I signed up last year, and I'm, I'm starting to think, should I back out of it? Like, what's going on here? Like, like I'm, a, I'm a hardcore fan. I, I watch every game, even though I know the season's yeah, gone. Like, no, I was just saying, uh, sorry, I missed everything you said, Tambir, but... We have people in this market saying we can't make a trade. We just saw Pierre-Luc Dubois get traded for Patrick Lenny. Are you kidding me? We just saw Claude Julien fired in Montreal after Montreal spent almost $30 million on their team. And you're telling me this ownership group doesn't have a penny to spend? They're either punishing the ownership group or they just want to write it off. But it's hard to write off. How do you write off an entirety of your life, right? That's what it's like as a season ticket holder. That's what it's like as a Vancouver X fan. Next year, right? <laughs> I saw Don Taylor post after TSN 1040 got unfortunately cut off. He goes, "Let I want to see a Stanley Cup in my lifetime." Like, mm-hmm. don't we all? So, 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 what's the holdup here? Okay, fine. Um, how is it that every other team, uh, Jim Rutherford fired in Pittsburgh, Mario Lemieux didn't make, didn't waste any time, 
boom, Ron Exel, boom, Brian Burke, right? Let's make something of the time we have. Right. Well, most I agree. Sometimes, sometimes you got to make uncomfortable moves. Like you're talking about Patrick Laine, uh firing um, Claude Julien a second time with a winning record, I believe. And even mm -hmm. the Raptors, when they won the championship, they traded uh, their fan favorite. Uh, first, they traded DeRozan. And uh, during yep. the season or before the season started, they uh, traded JV. Uh, what's it? Val Jonas Valanciunas. Yeah, you know what I mean? People were mm -hmm. heartbroken. Yeah. You know, but Masai Ujiri made some. Tough decisions and it paid off, right? Look at look at them; they're world champions. And those teams, and you're right. And those teams are willing to make those tough decisions. So why isn't this ownership group that wants me, Tanbeer, any other season ticket holder, to fork up our money? Why aren't they willing to make those hard decisions like you just said, right? Mm -hmm. That's the thing that is kind of annoying because they've already written it off, right? They knew going in that they weren't going to do it, and I can't believe COVID had such a hard. I'm not a billionaire, but I, I can't believe that other teams can make these moves. You know, just like the, the, the examples you just gave us, right? These teams are doing stuff to salvage a season and make it a success in some way. You don't need fans in the stands to make the playoffs. You don't need fans in the stands to justify you not making the playoffs. Just go make the playoffs. Try to win. Like everybody else is trying to win. I agree. This shows that they're not trying to. They're not mm. trying to. Well, I don't need to be in the. Uh, uh, I went to like two games last year. I sold all my tickets, but I'm still a fan. Mm -hmm. Try to win. Try to finish with the people that are paying to support the people you, that are right? the people I mean, that are I spending. Need, I don't need to. Yeah. yeah and I, I, I don't and need I, to go to Amsterdam to buy blueberries. To, I don't need to buy blueberries to support the equity group. I already, already support them. You support the champion. Any season goes right. Supports them. Yeah, but don't think, don't use the excuse that there's no fans in the stands, no revenue. You know how much revenue you have? Your retro jerseys. You went own foreign, right? No, no. Ackland is making. Ackland is making loads of money, man. He's making oh, loads of money, and he can't and he can't fork out a proper. Pro and honestly, I want to apologize to Thomas Grant because I remember when he was saying that. It's clear to me that the ownership and the, the management and the team are willing to take a step back this year, and it shows by the way the roster is constructed. And I always came back to the fact that the young players are going to get better, and I think that a guy like Braden Holpe could help us, and he obviously hasn't. And you know, I, I thought the team and Nate Schmidt's a good player and all that stuff. And Nate Schmidt, you know, he had a good game last game, but consistency-wise, he hasn't been that good. So. You know, I don't want to hear that bullshit either. But again, like this team is not, not nowhere near what I expected. Nowhere near what I expected, and that right there. And I'm not asking for people to get fired, but I sort of am because guess what? My money is getting wasted on a bunch of bottom six players that aren't good enough to be playing in the NHL anymore. Just because they won a cup doesn't mean they deserve to be on a team. Jay Beagle, fourth line center, I think he has one goal this year. And he's been, you know, like he, he, he's, a, he's a negative impact out there. Let's be honest. He doesn't help the team in any way. He makes the players on his line worse. As a centerman, you're supposed to help your wingers. And he does none of that. And then you go back to a guy like Braden Holpe, who's making $4.5 million as a backup goalie now. And he is not helping this team win games. He's not helping at all. It, it just shows me as a fan that you're willing to 
be bad. You're willing to be mediocre, mediocre. You're willing to be a team like Buffalo. And I don't want to see my team be like Buffalo. I know none of us have won a cup. You know, we're both expansion cousins. And, yeah, we haven't won a cup. But, you know, we've come close three times. Okay, two times. The first time, they got swept by the Islanders. And I wasn't even around for that, so I'm going to go fuck. But I'm talking about the two times when we went Game 7 to the Stanley Cup Finals. Those only two times that maybe this organization, uh, the fans actually had consumer confidence in them. You know, maybe the Gillis era for a little bit there after 2011, it almost it just it was just with shit. But we haven't. It's been way too long since this team has become a contender. Like I can't even remember. Like you know, as a fan, I could have that blind hope that I always have, and I had that blind hope going into this game, and you know, being sarcastic and being like. We have a one-game winning streak right now, and we only need to win nine more in a row to get back into the fucking race. Let's fucking go. Let's win nine more fucking games in a row because that's my blind hope as a Canucks fan, and I love this team, and I want them to... I think he's still going. I don't think he's... Really yeah, Tanvir. <laughs> we can't hear you. I can't see him. Before you go off, uh, I was going to say, you know, some I've heard some arguments. Oh, we got players that are built for the playoffs. Wait for the playoffs. Beagle, um, whoever, whoever, the bottom six, Sutter, they're built for the playoffs. Man, what if we don't make the playoffs this year? You know what I mean? <laughs> no, we're not, make, we're not making the playoffs because, you know, like I was talking, like, I don't know where you guys got me, cut me off there, but I was trying to, what I was trying to say is there's no consumer confidence for the team, for the fans right now. There's absolutely zero consumer confidence right now. And as a blind fan, a hopeful blind fan at times, I like I, I, I joke about it. We're on a, we were on a one-game winning streak going into tonight. And I was hoping for nine more games, nine more wins in a row to maybe make, make a push for the playoffs. But guess what? We all know it's not going to happen because the way the team is constructed, the way the money is getting handed out to certain players on this team – it's not going to work out. This team isn't good enough. We're getting our ass whooped by teams like Toronto. Uh, you know, getting our ass whooped by teams like Winnipeg. Getting our ass, te- wh- ass whooped by teams like Edmonton. We're not We're not good enough. And as a blind fan, at times, I could be blind and, and hope for a nine-game winning streak or ten-game winning streaks. But guess what? It ain't going to happen because guess what? This team pretty much gave up on the season before the even season started. And that's where it bothers me as a fan. And that's why it should bother us as fans. Because guess what? This is the Canadian division. The first time ever there's been a Canadian division. And we're probably going to finish sixth in the division. That's embarrassing. Yeah. Weren't we Canada's team coming coming out of the playoffs last year? (laughs) Yeah. All the four questions. Who's Canada's team? Vancouver, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I honestly feel they knowingly, they knowingly did what they did with respect to the roster because... Unfortunately, Travis is Green. Travis Green's going to have to pay the price. Benning's going to have Jim Benning should too. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, if you if I needed seven years to do a good job at something, and I failed five years out of the two, Gurinder, yeah, his seventh year hasn't even ended yet. It's going to be one. <laughs> Pro- promise me, Gurinder, if they bring back Jim Benning, that's not let's not be season ticket holders anymore. I will actually drop my. Yeah, 100%. This is this is the year. You have to fire him, and you have to hire the right person. And, and you know, I've defended Green most of the time, 
And I've lost confidence in Green myself. He's scared to scratch veterans. I was listening to Kevin Bieksa on the radio a couple days ago, and he was talking about how AV was savage. He did not give a fuck. He would bench Marcus Naslin. He would scratch Trevor Linden. He told Kevin Bieksa himself that if it wasn't for Edler being hurt, you would have been a healthy scratch. But <laughs> AV is a savage. And Travis Green, he played. He, the vets have him wrapped around his finger. The vets aren't scared of Travis Green. They're not worried about being scratched. Not worried about not getting enough playing minutes. The, the, the young kids like McEwen and Gaudet and Vertanen, they are. And I'm not saying those young players are part of the solution. Because they're probably not. You know, the, the people that are the, the players that are part of the solution are the elite players that we have on our team, like Pedersen, Hughes, Besser, Horvat, and I'm gonna put Demko in that category because I really believe in the kids' talent. Everybody else, even JT Miller, you know, we traded and it was, it was a good trade in the moment and in the, in the present time. But like he's a guy that, you know, that is a I don't know if he's a core piece. Everybody else is a question mark next to them. Are they a core piece? I don't know if they are. And that's where the organization needs to start. They need to have a plan because it felt like this management team never had one. And I'm actually and I'm actually uh, taking an L on this because I thought they did. And, you know, Nam, Nam, uh, you know. Shout out to Nam. Shout out to Nam. <laughs> shout out to Sugu. Shout out to all the people that, you know, that said that Benning didn't have a plan. I, I almost feel like he he makes his plan up as the season goes. You know, he, he you know, he's talking about trading for Tannen. Maybe he didn't have a plan, but it's a bad one. <laughs> is, is, tell me, is this a plan? You going into the uh, after losing to Vegas, you go on the radio and you you rip one of your young players. You know, uh you know, um I actually expected a lot more from Jake. And then you go out and sign him? I think that like, was an arbitration <laughs> strategy. I, was, I think that was arbitration. They were going to arbitration. You can't pump up your player. That's going to cost you more money. They but, have to but, hate on him. But they still paid him. And, like, I'm not saying it was the wrong idea because I still I still think Jake, is a, uh, the way he's going to utilize is not right. But, like, you still ended up, you know, you ripped the kid. You pretty much killed the kid's confidence right there. Boom. Confidence done. You're going to be playing with Jay Beagle for the rest of the season now. And, like... Like you, 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 you go sign him after. <laughs> like what? <laughs> like that's not a plan. That, that's... And and give him a raise in the second year. Yeah. Right? And now yeah. you want to trade for Dan Heinen, who's been traded for a player that was taken after Jake Vertanen for the second time with Nick Ritchie. It makes there is no plan. The day there is no Trevor plan. Linden, the trade. I don't think Trevor Linden got fired. He left because he's yeah, like, he left. Yeah. It, it, he's like I'm done. It makes zero sense. These guys, like, you cannot, you, uh, what did I see? I saw a tweet by Dave Pratt today, which is a legend in this market. You can't mm -hmm. let players like Markstrom, Tanev, Toffoli, Stetcher go and get zero back. Yeah. And you, and you talk about back. it before, you go back, you get Ham Hughes, Earhoff, the list man. goes on for years. Not just that. <laughs> the one thing I understand why people loved Gillis is because he actually got assets back for players that he felt that aren't going to be here long term and that, that were on the final years of contract. I remember when they were negotiating Alex Burrow's deal. Lawrence Gilman talks about, talked about this yeah. on yeah. T TSN 1040 before it was gone. Um, that they were negotiating a contract with Burrow's and that steal of a contract that he had during that time where we went to the cup finals, it was because they played hardball with Alex Burrows. They didn't just sign him 
because if they were, you know, didn't just sign him to the contract that he wanted. They played hardball with him, and they were like, if you don't sign this contract, we are going to trade you. We have a team that wants you, and we are going to trade you. And guess what? Burroughs, he knew that this was possible that they would trade him, and he was like, I'm going to take the contract. And guess what? That contract was a steal for many years, uh, you know, especially during our cup run. And that's what you got. That's, we need a manager like that, who's not scared to make certain moves, who's not who who gets value back for the assets. We could hate on Vertanen all you want, but guess what? Vertanen actually got his value to a decent level, and Jim Benning didn't capitalize on it. He scored 18 goals last year. His value was pretty high. You could have moved him, but guess what? You chose not to. You decided to rip him in the media and the public. And then sign him to a contract. <laughs> the no plan plan, right? Like that's just that's just what Jim Benning's tenure is gonna be. Great draft pick, so <laughs> not taking that away from him. But um, you know, uh, any final how many, thoughts? How many how many good draft picks does he have though? How many good draft picks? Uh, if I want to name, this is the last thing we're gonna talk okay. about. One thing I will say. Okay, yeah, yeah, I can hear you. I'm gonna name those draft picks right now, Grimminder. Um Hoaglander. Right, he's a, he's an NHL player. Like you go watch him play; he's got potential to be a good player. You know, um, Brock Besser, right? Uh, Quinn Hughes falling in the lap. I won't name that one. Elias Pettersson, right? Um, Adam Gaudet's an NHL player in the fifth round. That's not bad, and probably has potential to be better. Thatcher Demko, that's five. Um, we don't know what a lot of these players that he's drafted are going to be. Like a guy like Aiden McDonough. Uh, and a guy like Jack Rathbone, who's playing in the AHL, those players still have potential to be part of the core going forward, but we don't know what they are. So I'll say five if you don't want to include uh, Hughes because he fell in our lap. That's not bad considering he didn't he didn't miss on Vertanen and Yolevi because they should have been higher end <clears throat> players. But like, let's not even talk about that. He has five players that he drafted that could. Move forward with this core because Bo Horvat was a Gillis pick. Right? Would you agree? And I didn't even talk about Vasily Podkolzinder because yeah. he could still be a player, right? We've had so many good players that have been drafted in our organization that leave after one or two years, right? Yeah. Hoaglander's doing well, not a team that's doing poorly. Vertanen, there's two players this year that have been unfairly traded JT Miller, number one. Right? Why are we so hung up on body language? Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> like, but we traded a first for him. He he was a leading scorer last year, so he's having an off year. Everybody has a bad day. Jake Vertanen has not been put in the right position to succeed. Not at all. And I agree with you, Jambier, but I'm not, I'm not going to go on the radio and say it. <laughs> out of time. Yeah. But but you can't now trade him because it's at a loss. It's like selling your house at a loss yeah. in the market. But he got his value to okay. a certain amount. Like he got the house value up, but you didn't sell it. I, yeah, and he just got, he, if he had put more pucks in the net, I get it, right? Mm. I, saw, I saw something the other day. Marcus Nazan, when he was traded... Sorry, this is how old I am. I'm, I'm dating myself. When Marcus Nazan got traded for... Stoyanov? Yeah. It wasn't until he was 26 years old until he had his breakout season. Right, yeah. Bertuzzi, 26, 27. Mm-hmm. Bertanen's 24. 
if you trade him for Dan Heinen, a player that was taken 116th overall in the same draft year, that was just traded for someone who's the 10th overall pick, Nick Ritchie, you've already lost that trade. You can't trade mm-hmm. him now. Can't trade him now. It, Keep him. Probably, they probably... Uh, and Vertanen was... What? And the one thing Botch did tell me, the like great Botch, Vertanen was an Aquilini pick. Yeah, he, I heard him he and... Yeah. I heard Aquilini and uh, Bertana's mom are very good friends. Yes. And uh, we'll go from there. And, you know, I, we're going to end the podcast here. You know, the Canucks frustrations are high right now for us as fans. People that care about the team, people that want the team to do well, uh, including our producer, Ryan Leal. I know you want to say some last words before we uh, end the show here, Ryan? Or um, You know, it's just, you just, the fans just need to feel confident in you. And, like, you've been doing this long enough for six, seven years now, and there's never really been a clear sense of direction. It's just, like, just just figure it out. Just give us, like, tell us what you're doing, essentially, you know? Yeah, and we don't know what they're doing. You know, like I told, like, we just talked about it, the no plan plan, ripping the kid in the, in the media, and then asking him to be like Alex Tuck, and then, you know, essentially signing him and playing him with J.B. Eagle. You know what I mean? Like, that's not how you win a cup. That's not how you treat your players. You, like, there's double standards from the coaching staff as well. I know we got to end the show here. But when a guy like Sutter turns it over like he did tonight, uh, three seconds left in the period, pretty much cost us the game. Why is he playing after that? I know if McEwen and Gaudet or Vertanen did that, I'm sure they probably would have sat. You know what I mean? Like, those are the little things that I noticed in the coaching staff, and we've already talked about how terrible the contracts have been from Jim Benning and the management. Show us uh, Aquilini. I, don't, I know you listen to the show. You know, I, I know Jim, I know Jim Benning listens because guess what? He signed for Tannen. He signed for Tannen. So, um, you know, like give us some confidence, man. Like we care about the team, and we want to see we want to see him win a cup, and just give us some confidence. That's all we ask for. Give us some more hope. We had hope going into the season. It's gone. It's absolutely gone. Let's end the show.